episode 797. The Green Bay Packers 2017 schedule is out and the NFL draft is less than a week away. To break down some of the best fits for the Packers in the draft, we talked to Ben Fennell of ESPN and the NFL Network. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're talking about the NFL draft and the schedule release. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Ben Fennell, a producer for ESPN and the NFL Network. Ben, how you doing this morning? I'm doing fine, Brian. Thanks for having me on. We're about a week away from the draft. I'm ready for this show to get rolling. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Uh, ben, we're going to get heavily into NFL draft stuff in a moment. But before we do, just any off-the-cuff reactions to the newly released Packers 2017 schedule just released last night? You know, I browsed up and down it uh, briefly, and I, just a couple quick notes. I have a, a bit of a, a split alliance with the Packers and the Eagles. I do a lot of work with the <laughs> Eagles as well, so I was excited to see that they open up their preseason schedule uh, against each other. So it's a bit of my world's colliding, which I always enjoy. <laughs> uh, just some other quick observations. Uh, you know, I thought it was a kind of a tough finish with three of the four on the road there. Tough start as well, seeing Atlanta and Seattle, two playoff teams right off the bat. Not sure who else in the league is opening their season with back-to-back play, uh, playoff-caliber teams or uh, playoff teams. Uh, it was nice to have that bye week in the middle of the year. You know, after having a week four bye week last year and again in 2013, it's just not proportioned to the middle of the season. It's nice to have that middle of the road uh, bye week to kind of reset. And uh, you know, that's really it. I was excited to not see any West Coast trips. Nothing in LA or Las Vegas or San Fran or Seattle. I don't love the Thursday night game. I don't love playing a 4 o'clock game uh, before that Thursday night game as well. But, you know, that's something that everybody kind of has to go through. And uh, teams are getting used to, you know, handling and preparing that Thursday night game. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get more into Packers schedule talk later in the show. But the real reason we brought Ben on is to talk NFL draft. And before we get into particular players here, Ben, uh, for those listeners who might be new to the show, haven't heard us talk before, I've had you on now for several consecutive years. Could you just briefly describe your role for ESPN and the NFL Network? Because I think that helps them understand how you get to know a lot of these players a little more intimately. Yeah, so I wear a couple different hats uh, throughout the year. I initially started NFL Films working on the show Playbook for six years. Now I've transitioned over to work for ESPN College Football during the season, traveling around to different games, working in the production truck, doing different graphics, pregame segments, in-game XOs, a lot of X's and O's analysis stuff. Uh, and then I also work in the Eagles media department during the season, helping out uh, those guys over there. And then once the season ends, I transfer back over to NFL Films, and I help the NFL Network team on their off-season coverage. So that's Senior Bowl, Combine, Draft, particularly helping out Mike Mayock and all his commitments and his video pieces and anything he wants to do analytical and breaking down a player. You know, I help him out with the research and the video of that. So it's a lot of different hats throughout the year. It's a lot of football, but 
you know, life could be worse. <laughs> I think a lot of people would kill for that lifestyle. Um, all right, let's talk <laughs> about some players, Ben. Let's start with your reaction to the news that Alabama linebacker Reuben Foster admitted to failing a drug test at the NFL Combine. So, Ben, what are the odds he drops to the Packers at the 29th overall pick, and do they consider him there? Now, Reuben Foster's interesting because he has a, you know, a swirling combination of incidences and concerns from teams. So this is just one extra peg that uh, you know, teams are kind of concerned about. But as we know, these tests, especially from the combine, the results get leaked out every year. And I'm not sure if anybody really flinches. It's not a red flag. It's just a flag. It's something to keep an eye on. It's not a problem yet, but it's something to say, hey, if you know, this shows up again, if he fails another test, maybe this is a systemic problem. Now, Reuben Foster is interesting because of his other issues and the way you know he got dismissed from the combine and some NFL teams have some concern about his love for the party scene off the field. So it's just all a culmination of that kind of off-the-field attitude and the culture he's from. But I'm not sure I see him dip out to you know the mid-20s. I still think somebody grabs him in the teens in the middle of the first round. He's still a fantastic talent. He has an attitude to him. I think you kind of know what you're getting when you're drafting a Reuben Foster-style player. Yeah, I should say that news came out yesterday, and it was a diluted sample, apparently. Not necessarily a failed drug test, but a, well, I mean, it's an automatic fail if you dilute your sample. Anyway. Yeah, we... it's pretty much it's pretty much a failed test, and it doesn't look good. Now, don't get me wrong. I would absolutely love for him to drop the 29s of the Green Bay Packers. I would love <laughs> <laughs> for Ted Thompson to do one of his rare trade-ups and go get a Reuben Foster caliber of player. I think he's mean, he's nasty, he's a finisher. He brings that attitude with him that I really think this Packers defense is missing. I've been doing a lot of 2010 watching lately and just seeing what the different feel was from that Super Bowl team to this year's team, or excuse me, last year's team, and just seemed to be missing that edge, that attitude, that nastiness. And I would love to see them add a player like a Reuben Foster that you know they're you know, they're bringing a chip on their shoulder and a certain swagger to the field. Yeah, it kind of goes along with the thinking that some people say, you know, you you shouldn't have a bunch of choir boys on your defense, and uh, I don't think Reuben Foster is that. But the theme for our, the rest of our interview here, I, I've, I've asked Ben to come up with his best fits for the Green Bay Packers at basically every day of the NFL draft. I, I think one of the best things Ben does is he can talk uh, very knowledgeably about guys outside the first round. I, we hear so much about first round prospects that we're going to get more into guys on day two, day three. But let's let's start with day one, though, Ben. You, you said you know we think Reuben Foster is going to be off the board. What do you think would be the best fit for the Packers in the first round, twenty nine overall? Kind of a marriage of the best fit and, and somebody still likely to be available at that point. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of torn on position. I think they should definitely, you know, address the cornerback or the outside linebacker pass rusher position. I would love if Ohio State's Gary Connolly fell to the back end of the first round, which before the combine, it was a possibility. Over the last couple of weeks, he seems to be building steam, and there's a lot of people in NFL circles that are starting to have a little bit more infatuation with Connolly over Mar uh, Marshawn Lattimore. So it's not looking like Connolly's going to fall to the back of the first round. But there's still some very talented cornerbacks from Quincy Wilson and Marlon Humphrey to Kevin King. I think the Packers are in need of a premier cornerback talent, especially without Sam Shields on the field. 
I don't think we have room to have a project or a developmental player or some safety corner hybrid opposite. I think we need a premier cornerback talent, and there's going to be plenty of guys available at the end of the first round, just a matter of who's there and then who's uh, you know their flavor that they really like. Very good. Um, all right, so uh, if we move on to day two then of the NFL draft, we we know all the you know the usual suspects that are, will you know might be there. If we narrow it down to a few names, will be there in the first round. But moving on to round two, then the getting to be a whole lot more options. So Ben, by the time we get to day two, what is the best fit for the Green Bay Packers among guys still likely to be available at that point? Yeah, you know, at cornerback, and it's understanding what the Packers ask their corners to do, and it's a variety of hats, a variety of roles. You can't just be a press corner. You're not a bailing corner team with your eyes on the quarterback all the time. You have to have some zone savvy. You have to have some press skills. You have to have ball skills. You have to have experience inside, outside. We're going to move players around. I really like a player like Cam Sutton from Tennessee who's kind of fallen off people's radar. He's been at Tennessee for four years, was a starter as an 18-year-old in the SEC. He's great ball skills. He's got click and close type of speed. He's got experience inside, outside, left corner, press corner. And, you know, I just really like his ball skills and his athleticism. He's a little wiry. He's a little skinny. So he struggles to bring uh, down ball carriers and really thump uh, in his tackles. But, you know, things like that can be learned and he gets stronger. But he's somebody with the experience all around the field and the ball skills that I think he can hop in and be a comfortable cover corner with some savvy instincts in day one. Very good. Yeah, a guy who's probably not going to be day one draft pick for the for the Packers, but a guy who might be there by day two. Uh, then, Ben, if we skip to day three now, so rounds four through seven, what, give me a player still likely to be available by then that you think would be the best fit for the Green Bay Packers uh, and their team. Yeah, I have a handful of guys here that are all – you know, just coincidentally in the same body mold. They're all about 5'11", 205, 210 pounds. So almost think of a running back style of body, that they're great in press, they could tackle really well, but they also have some shiftiness to play the slot. And that's Corn Elder from Miami, Jack Tocho from NC State, and Brandon Wilson from Houston. They're all experienced inside, outside, press experience, and they're all very naturally strong. I think that's something our cornerbacks are really missing. You know, we've kind of gotten bullied off the line of scrimmage from bigger receivers. We've missed a lot of tackles in the open field. I want someone that can really handle their own, and that's a good, well-rounded football player. And I think Elder, Tocho, Brandon Wilson are guys that are going to be hanging around in day three that, if they're there for the Packers, I think would fit right in. Sounds good to me. Uh, good names to keep an eye on for you NFL draft draft Knicks out there. Uh, finally, then, Ben, uh, we, we know the Packers and every team, they're, after the draft is over, they're, they're still going to sign about a dozen more players. So who are some players that fit for the Green Bay Packers that are you know unlikely to be drafted, still going to be around to be signed at that point when the draft ends? Yeah, there's going to be a couple of guys hanging around, and that's always a fun, wild west process. There's some guys <laughs> like Demonte Kaziz from NC State that get their hands on a lot of balls. That's something that I think we really lack down the field this year, which is getting our head around, finding the ball, getting hands on balls. Uh, you know, I don't know where Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins are going to go in year three. We're hoping that they bounce back after the sophomore, sophomore slump. But I just want a guy who's really savvy in coverage that doesn't panic down the field. And that's somebody like uh, 
excuse me, uh, Demonte Kaziz from uh, San Diego State, a ton of PBUs, a ton of interceptions, and he's just comfortable down the field. He's not someone that was a safety and you're moving outside and he's still figuring out, you know, the timing and the instincts of the position. Hey, he's a comfortable player that, you know, is just a little bit undersized. He just doesn't have the blazing speed. I don't see if anyone's going to draft him in this defensive back heavy draft, but someone that's going to fall, you know, on the back end of somebody's roster and really challenge to make a team. Yeah, I think he'd be great if he falls that far because uh, I think he was a talented player for San Diego State. Uh, ben, uh, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts on these guys who are a little bit under the radar. Uh, I think you do a great job with that. So thanks so much for joining us on the show today and enjoy the NFL draft coming up. You, you going to be there in person in Philly? I know Absolutely. you're not far away. Absolutely. It's conven- It's convenient. It's down the street. It's only about 10 miles away from NFL Films here in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. I most certainly will be there on the set with uh, Rich Eisen and Mike Mayock and the crew. And at this point, a week away, I'm kind of itching for this thing to get rolling. Sounds good. Enjoy, and thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Brian. Take care. Ben Fennell of ESPN, NFL Network, NFL Films, Philadelphia Eagles, all sorts of hats that he wears. But uh, great to have him joining us and great to get his perspective. Like I said, I, I think Ben is a great person to talk about these guys outside round one. We Everybody knows, you know, we can narrow the Packers first round draft pick to, you know, a handful of players, uh, maybe 10 or a dozen of them. Uh, who we know that player is likely to be, uh, but you start to get out around one, and like there's all sorts of names, and uh, Ben does a really good job, I think, of, of knowing these guys and, and some of their strengths and weaknesses and things like that. So good to hear his thoughts on those kind of players. So uh, glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment. Uh, All right, the Green Bay Packers 2017 schedule has been released, uh, and so has the rest of the league. So that came out on Thursday evening, and I'm sure a lot of people were highly anticipating that as they try to make plans for the upcoming season, not just uh, trying to figure out how many wins and how many losses the Packers might have, but uh, coming up with travel plans, picking out a game they're going to go to, whether it's home or on the road or things like that. Uh, so a lot of anticipation of that event last night. And, you know, I don't think I need to sit here and read off the schedule to you. I, I'm sure you can look that up on your own and have probably already done so if you're listening to this show. Uh, But I got a request from a listener to rank the three toughest games on the schedule, and I think that's a a great idea. So, Jesse, this one is for you. Um, Instead of counting down, uh, let's start with the toughest game because it comes early in the season. So I think the toughest game the Packers face in 2017 is is the Week 2 matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. So, the justification for why I think that way. First of all, of course, it's a rematch of the NFC Championship game, and we all know what happened in that matchup. Uh, The Packers weren't all that competitive, or not nearly as competitive as they should have been, so it it's 
it's a chance to see if the Packers have closed the gap on the Falcons, first of all. But beyond that, it's the second consecutive season the Packers go on the road to open a new stadium. You'll remember the Packers did the same last year, last season, when they had to travel to Minnesota for the first regular season game played at U.S. Bank Stadium against the Minnesota Vikings. And you'll remember how difficult that game was. The home crowd was fired up for that game, and they're going to be fired up for this one, which is at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. No more Georgia Dome. And yeah, that's a nationally televised Sunday night football game on NBC to boot. So that'll be exciting early in the season for the first road game of the year. The Packers open week one at home against the Seahawks, travel week two against the Atlanta Falcons. I remember last year when the Packers, you know, went to the Viking Stadium. You know, you'd think, oh, brand new stadium. They're going to get a week one game there uh, to drum up interest. I think what they like to do, if I remember hearing this before, is like they, they of course, it's it's not the first ever game going to be played there they are going to play preseason games there it's just the first regular season game they like to work out any kinks that you know happen the first few weeks and uh and uh, give them that extra week of preparation then in week two for that first home game because <laughs> they know there's it week one week two the first ever regular season game there's going to be interest there uh, regardless, they're not going to have to worry about selling out the stadium or anything like that. So they just give them that extra week to work out any kinks. If there's anything they need to work on, uh, whatever becomes apparent in the preseason, they're ready for it then by the time the regular season starts. So that will be a fun one in Atlanta. All right, the next toughest game for the Green Bay Packers, the second toughest, I think, is against the Dallas Cowboys in Week 5. Now, it's not a nationally televised game, although it'll probably go to a majority of the country. Um, and it's it's not christening a new stadium. It's also not on Thanksgiving like some people thought this game could be. But this one is difficult because this is going to be a team looking for revenge. The Packers went into AT&T Stadium last year and upset the Cowboys. This is a Cowboys team that was favored, that could have won. I I'm not saying they should have won. The Packers, I think, uh, earned that win. But but the, the Cowboys certainly could have won it. It was up you know, for either team to win in, in the end if, if the Cowboys could have made a couple plays. Uh, so they'll be out to prove they're the better team. The Cowboys are going to try to prove that. Really, they're they're still looking for revenge for the playoff loss to the Packers back in 2014, too, uh, in that divisional round of the playoffs. Uh, that's so now two consecutive playoff losses to Green Bay, and you'll remember that the that was the Des Bryant catch slash no catch game. So yeah, that was a pretty memorable game too. And then the. Third toughest game comes late in the year when the Packers have to travel to the Pittsburgh Steelers for week 12. 
And it should be no coincidence that all three of the toughest games come on the road against teams that qualified for the playoffs last year. Uh, this is another nationally televised game on Sunday Night Football, and it comes Thanksgiving week. Maybe not Thanksgiving Day, but Thanksgiving weekend. Um, and, and, you know, uh, part of the reason I think this is tough is because, you know, sometimes late in the season, stadiums and opposing fans aren't quite as fired up anymore. You know, early in the year, early in the season, everything's new. Everybody's in contention and stadiums are loud. But, you know, in a lot of places that that can die down by late November. But this is Pittsburgh. This is a matchup of two of the most history-laden franchises in the NFL, so it's not going to be easy to go into Heinz Field and come away with a victory. Uh, to you know, This is the matchup of the two teams that the Packers last beat in Super Bowl XLV. Not that that, you know, there's not a whole lot of the cast of characters from that game is, is dwindled on both rosters by now. But uh, the quarterbacks will be the same, Aaron Rodgers and Ben Roethlisberger, uh, two guys that have been around the block before, and that alone uh, makes it a little bit more intriguing as well. So, you know, what do all these teams have in common except for road games against playoff caliber teams? Uh, You know, one thing, you know, I think a common thread here a little bit between Atlanta, Dallas, and Pittsburgh— I love the way they've built their teams, and that's what makes them tough. Um, and, and a lot of it has to do with the recent draft picks these teams have had. I, I love the way they're building them because they're young and they're improving, and I think these teams uh, stand a very good chance to be competitive for years to come. Uh, especially the top two teams. The the Falcons got their skill position players in place with the passing game revolving around Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, a pair of veterans there. They're, they're no spring chickens, but their defense is so young and only going to get better. Last year, adding Keanu Neal, Deion Jones, Devondre Campbell, all who, you know, added a little bit to that defense last year, only going to be better in year two. The year before that, adding Vic Beasley and Jalen Collins in rounds one and two and Grady Jarrett later on. The year before that, adding Rashid Hageman. This is a young defense. It was young last year, and they're only going to be more seasoned now, much more experienced, have been to the Super Bowl, have won the NFC. So they're they're going to have a little bit of swagger to them. And, you know, unless they suffer some injuries, I expect them to be just as tough this upcoming year as they were the year before. So that is a tough team with a young, ascending defense there. As for the Cowboys, their, their skill position players are the new ones. You know, not so much the defense, but, you know, their offense will revolve around Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. And as good as they were last year, you know, they were rookies, albeit candidates for rookie of the year. Now that they've got a year of experience under their belt, they should only be better. And Dallas has the best offensive line in the NFL, so that certainly doesn't hurt a pair of young players. Uh, when you got a good offensive line to block for you, th- th- that's only going to make you better as a player. 
And then maybe I'm I'm least impressed with the Steelers' recent drafts of the three, but they they've been really heavy on the defensive side of the the ball the past few years. You know, last year they went with Artie Burns. The year before that with Bud Dupree in the first round. Um, uh, and if some of these guys develop, not just them, but the guys they've drafted the past few years, then they'll really be in business. And they know their offense is going to revolve around you know, the guys who have been there for the past few years and expected to be once again, Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, same cast of characters there. It's been for a while. Um, but yeah, um, so th- that is my choice for the Packers' toughest three games of the year. Uh, just mi- missing the cut there. Uh, I thought one Packers home game late in the year uh, it's on a Saturday, actually. They host the Minnesota Vikings just two days before Christmas. Um, I, I think the fact that it's on a short schedule, I think that it's a interdivision game late in the season, week 15, uh, against a team that, you know, is always your border rival and can, you know, has the potential to be very tough. That one probably was my fourth toughest um, but so just missing the cut of my top three toughest games for the Green Bay Packers. Um, and of course playing and any team on the road is, is tough in the NFL. So yeah, the lots of candidates to choose from there, but there you go. Toughest three. Um, so, uh, in addition to the regular season schedule, the Packers on Thursday also solidified dates for their preseason schedule. Remember you know, the, the preseason schedule came out a week or two ago, and, and we knew the opponents, and we knew which week they'd play them, but we never knew the exact day, but now we do as of yesterday, so that came out as well, uh, just to relay these dates for you in case this flew under your radar. If you simply were looking at the regular season schedule, the Packers will play the Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday, August 10th. They'll play at Washington on Saturday, August 19, and then they'll play at Denver on Saturday, August 26th. They they had already solidified the preseason finale against the Rams the the following Thursday after that. Uh, but yeah, so they set exact dates for the preseason then yesterday. And, and then finally, uh, one last piece of Packers news here. We learned of two more official visits that the Green Bay Packers invited NFL draft prospects to their facilities. Uh, All NFL teams can only invite up to 30 players. uh, And uh, the the last two that are the the latest two that I've learned of that have been reported, uh, UCF cornerback DJ Killings and Western Michigan edge defender Keon Adams. Um, So the Packers bringing them in and taking a look at these guys, certainly not guys who are going to be high-round draft picks, but guys who could either be taken late in the NFL draft or be signed as undrafted free agents, and that's why they take a look at them, as I've relayed before. You know, if these guys happen to go undrafted and they like what they learn during the visit, you know, they hope that influences them to sign with the Green Bay Packers when these guys have an opportunity to sign with any team they choose if they go undrafted. Um, so Adam Kaplan of ESPN reported uh, that Keon Adams uh, visited the Packers this past Wednesday and that, indeed, 
was the last day teams could have in prospects for visits. I didn't even know that, that there was a deadline to do so, apparently. Uh, this is the first time I'm hearing of it, but apparently this past Wednesday was the last time teams could have them in for these official 30 visits. Um, and now uh, apparently they can't bring them in anymore. I'm not sure if they could you know, t- call them and talk to them if they wanted to interview them or anything like that. Uh, but apparently bringing them in, flying them in, you know, bring them in for a physical and all those kind of thing. The deadline is come and gone now. So there you go. And that leads us into our next segment. The day ahead. All right. So the NFL schedule is out and the NFL draft isn't until next week. So what's happening in the interim? Well, not much. There's there's one thing happening on the NFL calendar today on Friday and that is the deadline for restricted free agents in the NFL to sign their offer sheets. I'm not sure how much this is going to affect the Packers because they've already signed the majority of their controlled free agents, but maybe, just maybe, a restricted free agent from another team declines to sign their offer sheet. I think that's a long shot. But anyway, that's what's happening today in the NFL, and I wanted to pass that along because other than that, there's kind of a little lull before the NFL draft, and I think teams across the league like it that way and want it that way. So the week leading up to the draft is relatively uneventful, so they can basically focus on the draft. And and anyway, you know, there's... You're going to hear a lot about the events happening in Philadelphia, you know, leading up to the NFL draft this upcoming Thursday. Um, you know, as, as you know, teams will and their representatives that will be there at Selection Square, you know, will travel there in the days leading up to it, be it Wednesday or Tuesday or whatever. So there will be a lot of lead up to it, um, but the draft itself starts next Thursday with the first round only on day one and then rounds two and three on Friday rounds four through seven on Saturday so we'll have a lot to talk about next week uh, as you can imagine and uh, we've already got the next episode of Railbird Central already lined up and our guests that we'll have on the show going to have for I believe it's a third consecutive year Dane Brugler of CBS Sports slash NFL Draft Scout.com he puts together a great NFL draft guide in fact the one I think that is the best on the entire market uh, Cheesehead TV puts together a great team specific guide but if you're going to get one from a, a, a league-wide perspective that doesn't focus on one team Dane's is the best there is So we're going to have him on the show uh, next Railbird Central on Monday morning. So glad to get ready for the NFL draft with him and have him on the show uh, because I think he's one of the experts in the industry. uh, was clearing up his schedule to talk to us just a few days out from, you know, one of the busiest days of his year. So glad he was able to do that and talk to us. So that's coming up on Monday. Railbird Central airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. And by the way, thanks for your patience, those of you who watch 
the live edition of the show and don't wait for it on podcast. The only way to do it on Friday was by watching it on live stream. I, I apologize. We're just having some technical difficulties at Cheesehead TV today. We couldn't publish it there, uh, but I'm glad we have an outlet to for a way for people to watch. Even if we are having problems one way, we can still watch it another. So thanks for your patience on that. Hopefully we'll fix any uh, problems we have here shortly. And, and Cheesehead TV will be back to normal by next Monday, hopefully. Uh, fingers crossed. But, hey, we'll see you, folks. Have a good Friday. Have a good weekend. More NFL Draft Talk next week. It's almost here. So, We'll see you then. I leave you today with a song called Feed the Wolf by, or, or yeah, pardon me, Velvet Red by Conspirator on Sci Fidelity Records. See you later, everyone. Go, pack, go. Go.